You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music, and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. You are in Radio Mayapur, the link to your heart. This is Gangadat, your host, and we are here to present to you a wonderful devotee. His name is Tamal Krishna Kripadas. And he's a young kid. I know when he was very, very small, he was 10 years old when he came to Mayapur. He's the son of Jagadish Prabhu, he's my close friend, and Yugla Priti Mata. And uh, they're wonderful devotees, and they're part of our community here in Mayapur. The weather is very beautiful in Mayapur. There's beautiful sunshine. The night is cool. You can sleep, not need a fan. <laughs> Be careful of the mosquitoes sometimes. But apart from that, it's so wonderful to be in Mayapur, and there was a big festival yesterday. Nityananda Trayodasi was very beautiful. There was a drama, and there is a lot of people coming to Mayapur. Srila Prabhupada wanted 10,000 devotees to be here, but now how many we are? About 7,000. So there is more space for 3,000. So hurry up. If you're planning to come to Mayapur, don't come too late because you won't find a place. And yeah, I'm joking, no, it's okay. Everybody's welcome. There is always a place for expanding on the north east because this side there is two rivers. Unless you build a houseboat and you live on the Ganges on there. So uh Tamakrishna, I give a little bit introduction. Tamal Prabhu, Tamal Krishna Kripa Prabhu was born on 5th July 1999, and he was living for 10 years in Ariel, which is in Israel. And uh, amazingly enough, he got married last month <laughs> with a beautiful, beautiful princess girl. Her name is, uh, I wrote it down somewhere. Vrindavan Tulasi. Uh, she was, it was a very beautiful marriage. I came there, uh, very colorful, very nice. And also you went uh, for, um, 11 years in Gurukul, here in Mayapur. My son also went there many years before. <clears throat> so he had a, a, quite an amazing life. We usually interview people who are older, like 50, 60, 70, Srila Prabhupada disciple. And we ask them questions, okay, how do you become Krishna consciousness? What you were doing before, where you were living? But now it's all different ball game with Tamal because Tamal is born into a family of devotee. And uh, so he came to Mayapur when he was very small. So today we're going to get some nectar and understanding what's going on inside his uh, brain. We're going <laughs> to scour his brain and we're going to inquire and find out more and more things which can maybe inspire us, uh, young people to come also to Mayapur. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's Mayapur is a beautiful place. Yes. I don't regret <laughs> even a moment Absolutely. being here. Even though a few times I did want to leave. Oh, yeah, it happens sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, when you were a kid, you grew in a nice family, Israel, Ariel. I don't know, Ariel, is, it sounds like a soap in India. <laughs> Ariel soap for washing machine or something. Not just in India. <laughs> Everywhere. So where does Ariel look like? Uh, I was uh, growing up in Israel. You know, Israel, everybody's with a gun and stuff like that. There's constant, uh, you know, tension. Tell us a little bit about when you were very small. I mean, what for whatever you remember. <laughs> yeah. So I was born 
in Jerusalem, actually, because my grandfather baby was Jesus, living there. Baby that, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather was living there, and he's still living there, okay. my father's father. Nice. And yeah, my parents actually moved to Israel in the early 90s. Mm. They were born and brought up in Ukraine. And then after Chernobyl, they moved. They migrated to Israel. They wanted to make it to the U.S., but I think they only made it to Israel. <laughs> so, yeah. Better land you think <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They moved, then they met. They met in, I think, 92 or 93, mm-hmm. maybe even before that. And then they got married, and they met the devotees. They met the devotees briefly before they got married, the devotees. The temple president there forced them to get married Whoa. when they were really young right. in 94, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then my father was working. My mother was living in the ashram. She was doing book distribution, being a Sankirtan devotee. She was 19, 20 years old. They were very enthusiastic. And then they kind of branched off from the, because there was, there was one community of devotees. They were Hebrew speaking. They were only speaking Hebrew and English. And they were inviting sannyasis and preachers to come and uh, give lectures, initiate, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the center was in Tel Aviv. And then uh, at one point, I'm not exactly sure the story, but my father uh, and mother, they branched off and then they started their own because they were Russian speaking. And at that point, there were already many, many Russian speaking people in Israel, there is about 8 million people in Israel and at least 1 million or even more speak Russian. That means their origin is, was Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means your grandfather, grandmother, they all yeah, speak yeah, Russian. Yeah, they're all either from Russia or from Ukraine right, and they moved. Right. They moved there. So yeah, they opened, opened up their own center and then mm. my father was the temple president of that center. And then they were doing, were doing preaching. There was a Friday, there was usually a get together at some devotee's house one of the devotees in the community. And then, yeah, on Saturday, there was a Harinam. We would do on the... You can do Harinam in Tel Aviv? Yeah, yeah. Tel Aviv is open. There is no restriction. Cosmopolitan city? Yeah. (laughs) So then we would go out for Harinam for a few hours in the afternoon. And then whoever we would meet on Harinam, do book distribution. Some devotees or some people would come and then to our center for the program which we would have, would have Kirtan, Sandhyarti, Bhajan, Lecture, and then Prasad for everybody. So that was usually how it was. And I was going to school, schools there five days a week. You know, I did first four grades in Israel. So, yeah. How was the school? The school was actually, in the beginning, I really liked it. The first two years, I was really enjoying it because, you know, I was learning things and my parents were, they were happy. They were giving me everything I needed. They were, it was a beautiful education. Beautiful family, lots of love. I was hanging out with my friends and they actually moved to Ariel because uh, at that point, between 1990 and 1998, there was a lot of immigrants that moved to Israel. And then Israel was trying to give them a place to stay and give them a car, you know, give them a house so then they can stay. Yeah, so they don't have to, um, you know, move out. So then my grandparents and my father... They decided, because it was really cheap at that point, to buy a house in Ariel, and it's actually a place in the West Bank. Mm. It's, it's, yeah, it's really close to all the Palestinians, and it's just, it's a big hill. And yeah, there is a road going from Tel Aviv to Ariel, 
uh, it's a city on a big hill. At that point, it was really, really small. There was only maybe 5,000 people living. Now we came back, we go. Most, my father and mother go every year. I don't go every year to Israel. They go for preaching there. But we came back last time, last year to Ariel. It's a 35,000 wow. city, 35,000 people city now. And it's, you know, it's really big. It's developing. But at that point, there was only maybe like three, four, you know, streets there. And they were just <laughs> putting houses together. And so my parents managed to get a house there. And so we moved there. We were living there. Then in a few years, devotees came. Then devotees had children. And, you know, we had a little community, maybe five families, six families. We're all going to basically the same school. There are only two schools there. Yeah, so it was really beautiful. I liked it, but there wasn't, it wasn't much association. I, was, I wasn't really into being a devotee, even though my parents, at that point, they were both working. My father was installing ACs and my mother was working in the university. She was teaching and studying at the same time. My father also had a different business, I think, going at the same time. But <clears throat> yeah. He's dealing stone and diamonds. He was making machines for cutting stones. Right, right, right. Yeah. And exporting them, you know, all over China, Thailand, Russia. That was his conjoined business with my grandfather, his father. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the school was actually quite nice. The school was nice. The kids were nice. But it was it was very, you know, I don't know how to say it. Normal, without, normal school. Yeah, just a normal school. Carmi people, you know, they're... Yeah, learn they're, geography, maths, yeah, this, that. Yeah, no, it was interesting in the beginning. Then it was like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, I started when I was already eight, nine. I would go hang out in the street. You know, there were kids in the street and would hang out and started doing nonsense. You know, you go hang out and you start... We didn't start running after girls. <laughs> we're too young, but, you know, trying to eat Experiment. this or smoke that. Or, you know, it, was, it wasn't very young. good. And I thought, my parents asked me and they saw and they noticed. And then my dad, mostly, he at that point, he was already, he visited India many, many times. They came to India first time in 96. Mm-hmm. And they were studying in uh, VIHE in Vrindavan. Then they took a tour. And then my dad was also doing parallel. Maybe every year, every couple of years, he would bring tours to India. Right, 20, from, 30 people. Yeah, yeah. He would take them to Mayapur, Jaipur, Delhi, Vrindavan, Mathura, Puri. That was also... One-month tour or two-month tour? It was a one-month tour. Then he would spend some time, just him, you know, in the holy places, usually Kartik or Gurpunim. So he was doing that and he already visited Mayapur. But, and my mom also came. And they came to Gurukul and they saw the place, I think in 2004, 2005. And they were like, no, no way we're going to put our son here because they heard so many rumors. <laughs> and, you know, I was also quite a spoiled child. I was, because... I had two grandmas and one grandmother was living with me and my parents would always spoil me. And, you know, I was very, very <laughs> spoiled. So they didn't think I was going to survive a day. And they had some misunderstandings about Gurukul at that point. Right. But yeah, at, when I was like eight or nine, they started really getting worried that, you know, this association and I wasn't into doing anything devotional. I would not read. I would not chant. I would go for Harinam and I'll play. It. Then would go to the program, I would play, you know, just eat prashadam. That that's all I got. And because they would offer the my dad used to make me chant one round with him. <laughs> he would sit me down and I was really against it. Because <laughs> I would go to school and we had school from I think eight to three, because we had no homework. So we had all this everything we did together. everything in the school. In then between I, you have a break and lunch, yeah, and yeah, yeah. snack, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that was all there. And then after that, I would go for basketball. 
for one and a half hours straight from there usually then i would come back home and i had piano piano lessons for four years nice <laughs> also for an hour and then my dad would come and he would like no you have to chant one round and i was i was always yeah, crying and screaming and <laughs> i was done with all of that but you'd make me would sit would chant i remember that i was was really not into <laughs> into that at that point <laughs> Yeah, so we'd get into fights and things. But then, yeah, and then in that in the evening, I would go play, then come back, eat something, go to sleep. Do it all over again Yeah, the next day. So they were really worried. And then at one point, they told me, I think six months before we came to Mayapur, they told me that, yeah, we're, we're going to go to India and try it out. And it was like, India. Mm, <laughs> was, big adventure. <laughs> I only watched, you know, films or movies about India at that point. I was like, okay, let's see how this, this goes. <laughs> But I was happy because I was leaving school and it was something new. And then, yeah, they were like, okay, so we're leaving in September. And we, we flew from there. And yeah, they, it seemed like it was all together. They were saying like, yeah, we'll try it out. But it seemed like it was pretty permanent. And I was, <laughs> I was pretty worried, actually. <laughs> There's and no my, going back? <laughs> yes, something like that. They were like, no, no, we'll take you back if anything. I was like, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then... My sister was also just one year old. Yeah, she was just born, and then I was like, "Okay, anyway, <laughs> this this will be fun." That's what I thought. I was like, "Okay, I, I thought India was like a jungle. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I watched Mowgli before, and I thought that was India. <laughs> I was like, let's see." And so we flew here, and the, it was probably one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life. It was quite interesting, and my parents still tell this story all the time. But we flew from Tel Aviv to Mumbai. It was a straight flight, or maybe through Jordan or something. And then from Mumbai, we flew to Calcutta. And then in Calcutta, it was still, I think, the old airport in 2009. I was already like, okay, this doesn't really look like from the movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's not exactly what I expected. And then then we came out of the airport, and it was hot. It was hot and humid. We came in September. I was like, oh man, this is bad. Jungle, jungle. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> and so I was sweating and then it was dirty. And there were cars and people. They were like, only ambassador at the time? Uh, no, we came, I think, in the Tata Sumo. But oh, okay. It's probably the latest car at that point. But yeah, so I, I was already like on the edge. And then what like was the last straw on the camel's back? was when we got to our cars, we walked, we walked from the airport, we came out and we walked to the parking. And then over there at the car, while we were putting all our luggage in, there was this old lady. Well, she wasn't actually that old. She was just like a beggar. Yeah. She was a beggar. Mm-hmm. And she was holding a kid. She was black and, you know. Dirty. Really dirty. And I was like, wow. And then she came and she, out of everybody, she came to me. <laughs> and she tapped me on the shoulder and she was like, give me something to eat. And I was like, that's it. I jumped into that sumo car and the whole way to you my scared. I was scared. I was terrified. I was crying. I was I even made a promise. I didn't remember that, but my parents told me I was like, when I turn 18, I'm gonna call my grandmother, because my mother's mother, she still lives in Israel. She's working there. And said so I said, I'm gonna call her, she's gonna buy me a ticket, and then that's it. I'm never coming back to this place again. <laughs> So yeah, the whole four hours I was tripping and my parents were also, they were probably, I, I don't know what they were thinking. They were like, okay, where did we bring this kid? And then, yeah, we came to Mayapur. It was also like, okay. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and within seven days, I was in Gurukul Whoa. from arriving to Mayapur. There was like, there was no break. 
<laughs> my parents were no break. We went, we saw a few places, and then yeah, and then they just put me in Gorokhov. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going to the army or something. Something like that. They, they throw you with a parachute from top of the thirty yeah. thousand feet. <laughs> so they put me in Gorokhov and. In the beginning, I was like, okay, well, what, is, what this? is this place? And you know, the, there's nothing. I was born in a place, you know. Well, the Gurukula at the time was where? Near the Goshala? No, no, it wasn't. It, it was, was already, already it was on a new campus. Yeah, okay. It was a new campus. And, but yeah, I was living in a normal, I don't know, yeah. European Western house to coming and, you know, living in the jam. pump shower and then, you know, make cooking your own food. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine Strong. all of that. And so, yeah, but I don't know. I guess something changed like at some point, maybe a few weeks later. And I was like, wow, this place is beautiful. Huh. I really liked it. There were so many kids. It was, you know, you could play, you did classes, you did service. I don't know. I just, I just got lit immediately with the mood of Gurukul. And I was like, wow, this place, I never, I didn't want to go home. I was begging my parents after six months to stay in the ashram. And I was like, please, please let me stay. Let me stay. <laughs> I got, I got the teachers to call my parents to ask them if I can stay in the ashram. <laughs> I was really obsessed with it. And my parents were really worried. They were like, no, nah, this guy, this guy, my mom That's was possible. like, this guy's not going to make two days in Goroko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from being a spoiled brat to, yeah, Goroko. I guess, I guess Mayapur has something magic into it. Anybody who comes to Mayapur feels something heart changing and there's something magical happen to whoever comes. Of course, the scripture said that, that just even if you come for two days, if you don't do anything, you just walk and sleep in Mayapur. It's like you perform Ashwamedha Yagya. Basically, you accumulate a lot of, uh, you know, good vibration and good feeling of devotion, something happening to your heart. I don't know, it's difficult to explain, mm -hmm. but everybody who comes to Mayabur, they have some special experience. So, but then, uh, uh, there were other, you were already speaking English at the time, Tomorrow, I, I was a I little mean, bit. Yeah, because in between the piano and basketball, I was also going for English tuitions because they were preparing me the year before and I was going to this American lady who was teaching me English, but I could understand something. Not much. It was really not. But there was anybody else who spoke your language or Russian or from Israel in a Google at the time that you could click into and speak to them? From Israel, I don't think there was anybody actually. Russian? I, maybe I was probably the first person from Israel in Google. But yeah, because my parents came from Ukraine, the home language was always Russian. So we speak Russian at home, Hebrew in school in the kindergarten. And in Israel, just in general. And I was learning English. But when I came to Gurukul, there were, there were a few teachers. It was Balde Vashai. Mm. He was there. He was speaking Russian. Then there was Dameshra. There was, there was a few friends. So and, there was a few people yeah. that you can relate or you can speak. I could speak, you can ask I could speak with them. Yeah. I understood English by that point. Yeah. But I picked it up in a few months. A few months I could speak. So tell us also about uh, the training which they give you in the Gurukul. Apart from not much, uh, uh, you know. A, B, C, D, or I don't know, geography or history <laughs> or whatever, you know, lack of it. But what did you actually learn? I mean, being in Gurukul now for 11 years, now that you remember back, <laughs> what did you actually learn from the beginning to when you graduate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, to sum it up, I mean, you learned, I think in a nutshell, if you say it like that, can elaborate, but to be uh, a good, a good devotee, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's also 
why I think many people have different misconceptions about Gurukul. I think their idea, as I understand, at least what, what I got from it, was to be a good devotee. Everything else was secondary, to have a good character and to be a good devotee. So we did learn, whatever you mentioned, geography and English and some grammar. A little bit. I have to say it was a bit lacking. Like yeah. It could, could have been better, but it, w- it was there. I can communicate and I know math and, you know. Yeah, all the things stuff. you need for the basics of your life. There wasn't, they didn't give a specification, you know, in a bachelor's or a master's or a PhD in something. But I think that bachelor's, master's, and PhD was in in devotional service or yes. in at least trying to understand devotional service. Right. And then there, there, I think the most focus was given, and I think that was the best part. And again, depends from which way you look at it. It was either the cup half full or half empty. But at least to me, it was, I think it was essential. Basically character building personality. Like you can be (coughs) self-reliant. You can learn to cook. You can learn to manage yourself, wash your clothes, dealing with practical things in life. And a little bit like the teacher in the army when you're 20 years old, they teach you how to do everything so that doesn't matter where you go, you can survive, kind of. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the idea of the character. Right. But then on top of that, it wasn't just, because the army, I think, teaches the same thing, but there it was um, em- embedded with devotion. Yes, yes. So that was that was also That's really, a, really good. The main ingredient, we yeah. just said spice, yeah. the spice yeah. which make it very nice. Yeah. And the prashana was very good. The prashana was Tell also us how they good. cook the prashana. <laughs> yeah, we would cook the prashana. We would cook it ourselves. And from day one, I was like, I saw the kitchen. When we walked into Gurukul, I was like, wow, I want to be there. <laughs> it was on top of the pyramid. It was high up there. And I was like, wow, these guys are high up. <laughs> and the fire they used, tell us. Yeah. They the fire we used to use was uh, cow dung patties. Dry dung. Yeah, dry cow dung, which dry. the villagers used to make. Put we used to wall. collect it, yeah. And use that. I think now they use wood also. But yeah, it was essentially, yeah, it was developing character and being um, responsible for yourself and being able to do everything you needed to do, not right. being dependent or as much as possible independent from other things. So we like, didn't. Uh, modern technology, no washing machine, no, no. no grinder, you have a stone, no. and you have yeah. everything which is. In fact, I always think in myself <clears throat> that if there is a terrible war, God forbid there isn't, and there will never be. But Indian people can survive with anything because they, they know how to take water from the river, hand pump, put the stone together, put some fire, take some pot and cook and survive any situation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we learned. We learned. But you also work. did learn a lot of uh, Shastric things. Tell us about the mantras. Tell us about the Shastra. You know, who, who is a supreme person of God, for example? You had some concept of God when before or not? Uh, the concept of God, to me... When you were a small kid. To me, it was pretty clear. Cause, it was Krishna. Yeah, it, there was Already nothing there. else. Yeah, we had we had a two-story <laughs> building. It was like a... And then on the first floor, there was my father's room. And in Israel, you have to have one room in the building or in the apartment, which is a bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, yeah, concrete. Know, yeah, fully concrete, so... The missiles can go through it. And uh, that was the room there. And then it was like a living room, which we made into a deity room. It wasn't big altar. It was Krishna, Gornitai, Itai Gorachandra, Jagannabalev Subhadra, and then Naparampara, spiritual masters, you know. And I was born with that. 
in that. So from day one, your God was not somebody else who was already Christian in your heart. You know, it's I was. Like, I didn't have to go. I think no, because in the Jewish, what what they think God is always some some in the sky. I don't know what they yeah. think it is. Elohim. You don't. Elohim. You're not supposed to say his name out loud. You just call him God. Yeah. He has no form. He has no form. So he's in personal realization. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't really have to be convinced. It was never a problem like, oh, is Krishna God or someone else God or there's, you know. It w because I think, well, I'm sure it was also the thing that my parents did do all the samskaras for me from the beginning, which also helped a lot. But <clears throat> yeah, the fact that they were practicing, they were preaching, they, they never actually forced me much. That's except nice. for that one round that they were my father. Yeah, come on. Other than that, I don't, I can't recall them forcing me. You, yeah. Yeah, because actually sometimes it's a, it has a reverse effect when you, I, I met many children who were pushed by their parents and that reverse effect actually they, they become like, uh, nobody yeah. like to be forced to do yeah. something, you know. Everything is, is, a, is a natural instinct to be close to God if you are inspired, you know, not by force. So, but then what, tell us about the mantras, but the Shastra, what Shastra, you did the Bhakti Shastri. Yeah. And um, what, Bhakti Vedanta, Bhakti, Bhakti Vaibhav. We did Bhakti, Bhakti Shastra and Bhakti Vaibhav. <laughs> yeah, so. Was tough? It, it was actually pretty tough because <laughs> Maharaj, pretty Maharaj, now he's Maharaj before yeah. he was Brahmachari, but he was the ashram teacher when I joined. And first I did uh, philosophy. We did, we, we learned mantras. As we went, we learned, we started from the basics, Shikshashtakam, Nectar of Instruction, Nectar of Devotion, Mangalacharana. Brahma uh, Samhita. Yeah, Brahma Samhita. Then we went on to all the mantras for Yagya, all the suktas, Purusha, Shri, Bhu, Nila, you know, all, everything that we needed to do a Yagya, we learned all of that. Then we learned all the Upanishads, or some of, some of the Upanishads, Taitri Upanishad, which is also really big. Yeah, then we learned Bhagavad Gita, we learned some Bhagavatam shlokas, so mantras went as, you know, just as you wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, it was a mantra <laughs> class every day. Nice. So that was there. And in the philosophy, it started with Chitana Upanayanam. It was like for little kids, you would tell stories in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I started with that. I think Marge was giving that Bhaktivedya Purnaswami. He was teaching um, Mahabharat. He was, we would just read and then he would give his commentary on that. Then after that, the next class, which I went to was... Um, just about understanding, yeah, that what you mentioned, that understanding that Krishna is God and then there he has some energies and just an explanation Basic. of, yeah, of, it, it was actually a friend of mine. He was a teacher at that point. He was a student, but he was also a senior teacher, Atul. Ah, Atul. He yes. was, he taught me that. And then after that, the next class of philosophy, which I went to after, I think, three or four years, was uh, Bhakti Shastri. They were like, okay, we're getting a group together of Bhakti Shastri and I was, apparently I was qualified and Marge was like, yeah, you can come. And I was like, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I was really happy because my parents were studying and they would tell me about it. They were studying from Bhaktivedi Purnaswami and they, they were going through a 12 year course. And then the idea was that Pretty Maharaj would start the 12 year course for us, for the kids. Right. And so the generation, which was older than us, four or five years, Udava, Adi, Govinda, they, they all, they all finished Bhakti Shastri, but they didn't want to go and do Bhakti Vaibhav. So Maharaj started doing the second class and we started doing Bhakti Shastri and it was a three year course. It wasn't four months like they do in MI or anywhere else. It was three years. And there we did, well, the four main books, Bhagavad Gita, Nectar Instruction, 
Nectar of Devotion and uh, Sri Upanishad. Yeah, Ishopanishad. Then we did we did I think Brahma Samhita at some point. Then we did Madhurya Kadambini. Mm-hmm. Then we did we did a lot of additional books. Uh, there was another one. Can't remember the name. Yeah. Pretty much really liked it. It was about uh, Harinam Chintamani. Mm, Harinam Chintamani. Yeah, pretty oh, much was. Name. Yeah. We learned that. That was for three years. And then we started doing the Darshan Chakshurs. That was about Shastra Chakshurs and then Darshan Chakshurs. We started doing Bhagavatam. And that was that was really beautiful. And from day one, from Bhakti Shastri, I don't know, again, it was some some magic, like you said, that the Dham or the mercy of the devotees or something. Sure. I was so inspired to to learn. That was, I think, my favorite class because we continued that class after we graduated because we were finishing. After 11 years of being Gurkha, <laughs> we still would come back, four of us or three of us, and then we would come back just to finish that class. And we'd have to write an essay on every chapter of every book. And Bhagavatam was the same. And just from day one, I remember the first class, we read the introduction to Bhagavad Gita and pretty much, okay, you have to write an essay. And I was like, wow, let's go write an essay. And I was inspired, you know, you have to answer all the questions. We we got back our essays at one point. It was a huge bundle of essays. And it was really enlivening. I really, really enjoyed studying and I really liked it and all the intricacies and understanding the philosophy and how it's, you know, inwoven in our culture and how, you know, this is important and who is Krishna and defending that and, you know, going against it and then, you know, seeing it from many different perspectives. It was, yeah, it was enlivening and I really liked it from day one. And like I said, we finished, we did three years of Bhakti Shastri, then we did Bhakti Vaibhav three years, we finished all the way till sixth canto. And then we already pretty much was like, okay, I'm going to start giving the second generation after us the same class. So. You mentioned before that a couple of times you wanted to leave or run away or something. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah. There were, I mean, this was all really good, but in yeah. between all the really good, there was some cavities of some uh, moments which were really hard. Like what? Uh, tell us. That's important for us to understand because, you know, in in every, you know, it's all not always uh, roses and flowers. Yes, it's nice, it's beautiful, wonderful, but there is always some glitch or something happening which can make you twist your mind and and something. Tell us. (laughs) Tell us the story. (laughs) There were many stories. Okay. A a few, a few, a few of them were, well, uh, before I say the story, maybe I'll explain, in my opinion, how I, I looked back and I was actually thinking about it for a while. And I was discussing with also different graduates and teachers and how it all went and how it was going and just, just trying to analyze it all for myself, you know, not to have any either bad feelings or, you know, put it all on a pedestal, no, just no, no, no this no, is no. the best, it's nothing. So I wanted to something, to be something mature, yeah, something mature and balanced. And in the beginning, I was, I think it's because of the person that I am or some nature that I have that I'm very goal oriented. I'm, I put myself a goal and I just go, I don't care, rain, whatever. snow or whatever, I'm going. I mean, this is something so, I do it. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a question of, for, I had to, it was a question of putting it as a goal. And then after that, there was no question. So then I, was, I wasn't very interested in developing any friendships with, uh, you know, people or friends who were the same age as me. I was only looking to develop friendships with people who were older or kids that were older or the teachers because I was like, okay, what's the point of all these guys who are the same as me? I'm already like that. I I need to go and get something. I need, you know. Something, somebody can contribute to your. Yeah. So I was always looking how to, how to take, take from someone and then get something and then, you know, make myself better and then be this, be that. And I was, 
I developed really good relationship with the teachers. I was trying to do service. I was doing service. Then, you know, learning from them what would go cook. Would, I would come on holidays and try to learn how to cook from Pretty Marge because he was cooking there. And I was, yeah, I was really, really enthusiastic because I was just like, okay, well, I have this opportunity. I better take it. And then at, I think when I was 15 and I was making, there was, there was actually, it's interesting. It was broken into three categories. There was like the mainstream, which was, uh, I'll just tell you briefly the system, the system that Mara had set up and the teachers was so you can be able to manage and be a leader, but mostly a manager. There was a system of a head boy. So there was a boy who was in charge of all the kids. Parametership. It's a pyramidal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like your kids teach other Yeah, kids. yeah, yeah. So he was, it, this wasn't in classes. It wasn't mm -hmm. like in edu any education. It was in doing service and other things. So there was a head boy and then under him there were group leaders. And then the group leaders had a vice group leader and then there was the group. One second, I'll stop you right there. I just want to ask a question because it was not related to age. No. It yeah, wasn't, that, nothing was that, You know, like usually in the army, it's like somebody senior to you because he has been there a long time than you. So he's called the grandfather, you know, just because he's been a few months older. But I saw in your school, you know, in the Google Center, there's a small kid who is very sharp, who's very smart, who is in charge of another 20 kids who are maybe bigger than him also. Yeah, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, it was like that. It was, it was, there were rankings, there were chatters, there was four, five yeah. different chatters yeah. which were there. And the chatters did mean something, but it was, yeah, the person who came before who knew how to do everything. You know, I was, when I came, I was 10 and there was a six-year-old teaching me how to do everything. And I was, I was cool <laughs> with it. And he was even more cool with it. Sure. But yeah, so that was the system. And so that, that so it we, goes by qualification, basically. Yes. It was not by yes. ranking by age or, no, no. or age yeah. or something. It was something. simply qualification. Good. Which is good. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. So that was that that's what we call mainstream. Yes. And then there was kitchen and then there was goshala. Yes. So in the kitchen, you were just doing the kitchen, and in the goshala, you were just doing the goshala. So all the services they were connected, you were doing Taking care of the cows uh, and make sure to milk them. Yeah. When they get sick, this blah blah blah. Yeah, Give them food, wash them, whatever. Yeah. And the kitchen and kitchen, was, kitchen means taking care of all the spices, yeah. make sure they don't get bugged, this, that. Prepare, make sure there's uh, there is enough patty for cooking, the pot are clean. Yeah, all those details. And storing also. I, you have a big story for yeah. the for yeah. the for rice. the rice with the husk. Yeah, yeah. 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 Correct. Yeah, we have that story which because there's there's a lot of land for Gurukul, then they grow the rice and then we store it in the husk and then it's supposed to sit for one year. Yes. Till you can unhusk it and then and then use that for cooking. So it's a lot of practical stuff. Yeah, that there was a lot. There was a lot of interesting practical things that we learned yes. and that we did. So everybody was. Most people were trying to get to mainstream. I was really interested in the kitchen. <laughs> I really like cooking because you like to one. cook. Yeah. you like to eat as well. <laughs> yeah, both. Both <laughs> were really important. <laughs> sometimes the cooking more, sometimes the eating more. <laughs> <laughs> Any good cook is a good eater. Yeah. So then. Uh, I was, I was trying to make my way there, you know, it was hard. And then as I got to basically the top of the kitchen. I was not the kitchen in charge, but I was under him. And then at that point I hit a crisis. I was like 15 or 16 and um, a senior boy, the head boy at that point, he came to me and he started getting on my case and I didn't do anything wrong. And I was like, what, what's wrong? He's like, why are you getting like, my yeah, case? Yeah, leave, leave me alone, man. <laughs> 
And he was like, you know, you, you're so puffed up. You're so proud. You're trying to just, you just forget about everybody else. And you're just going and trying to do your own thing there in the kitchen. You're supposed to, the Gurukul isn't, you know, to deal with just pots and pots and spoons and vegetables and go, you know, where the storage place. That's easy. The point of Gurukul is to learn how to deal with kids and then, you know, develop relationships and do this. And I was like, no, this is really hard. Developing relationships and being with people, you know, they change their mind. The pot doesn't move, man. I put the pot there <laughs> and it doesn't move. I, I clean it, I wash it, I leave it, I'm happy. So, and yeah, that, that conversation like made a change because he was getting on my case. But then a dump after, after a few minutes of talking to him, it started clicking in and I was like, oh, th this is interesting. Maybe I should think about this. And then without asking me, he kicked me out because he was the head boy. He had the power to do it. He took me out of the kitchen and then he just put me in a group. And I was like, man, oh, back to square one. <laughs> going back to zero again. Yeah. And then, and then he was like, no, you're going to be in mainstream. You're going to learn how to do this. You're going to learn how to be a vice group leader. Then, you know, group leader, then vice head boy, and then a head boy. You're going to learn the whole thing because it's good for you. And I was like, this is it's hard. This is really hard. But... I didn't really have an option. So I put that as my goal. I was like, okay, kitchen. I learned how to cook at that point. So I was happy, but I still would go. You would have the time to do both, but not as much. And then I started going in there and it was really hard. I didn't know how to, you know, properly communicate. I was just trying to boss everybody around, but I wasn't the boss there. So it would, <laughs> it would, it would be very problematic. And so at that point, I think that was the first time when I was like 15 or 16, I went back to Israel for a few months and I was like, man, Maybe I should just stay. <laughs> I really like Gurukul, but, you know, that that thought just That's, like... That experience kind of burned you out. Yeah, it, it burned me a little. But maybe because also the, you didn't know much how to relate with people maybe at that point of time. Yeah, I didn't. And it was a good lesson. And I stayed there and I did make it to the mainstream. And surprisingly enough, in a few years, I was the head boy. But <laughs> nice. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But yeah, at that point, that was probably the first time. And yeah. then... I think the the crux of it, of the crisis had happened when I was 18, 17, 18. I was the head boy. And then just a few stories, I guess, since oh, it's pro it probably oh, sounds it's interesting. interesting. No, so interesting. like what was nonsense or was considered nonsense between us? Mm -hmm. At that point, we were already, I was already friends. We had a group of friends was maybe eight or nine of us. Some were older, some were younger, but basically the same age, plus minus two years. And uh, the, the biggest nonsense that we could do at that point wasn't breaking any regulative principle, wasn't hanging out with a girl or watching a movie. Or do, it was to go out and eat. <laughs> as, 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 that was Maya. Yeah, that, oh, that was 100% Maya. <laughs> Where do you go and eat? Outside in the restaurant? Anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> the, the three rupee samosa was like, was like, gold. Was gold, yeah, 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 yeah. You're hungry always when you're a kid. Yeah, because the idea... Of, and th that's what I was thought to us in the brahmachari uh, as, you know, we're brahmacharis. And in the philosophy class, we're like, you're brahmachari. So you're dependent on the teacher. So when the teacher eats, you eat. And I was like, okay, makes sense. So we breakfast, lunch, no dinner. And, and sometimes we had some dinner, but you know, you were hungry, but it wasn't even about the, the fact that you were hungry. It was some to go out and get something different or to get something out from outside. That was, you know, the, the, the juice or the experience. The forbidden <laughs> Fruits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we got in trouble for that a lot. 
but we did also sneak in a lot of food <laughs> and that was like you you had to go and sneak in we'd go to Marper Shad and buy a burger and that was like that was really the hit of the day now that I'm thinking about it I'm like man <laughs> a burger and Marper Shad <laughs> but yeah and we got in trouble for that actually quite severely at, at one punish point you? yeah how the punish so we the probably the worst time uh that we got in trouble was uh these boys two boys two friends they went out and then they bought they had some money from their parents they had like maybe 100 rupees or something and they bought 100 rupees worth of 3 rupee samosas Whoa, that's a lot <laughs> it's a lot of samosas, samosas like 30 samosas so they brought them at night they went in the evening and we were all in ashram at that point and i was guarding so we would guard so that nobody comes to the school and you know some okay. of us would wake up boys and some of us would guard and i was the head boy at that time and then yeah and i was fist yeah well i didn't even know about it so they came into gurukul they went they bought it they came into gurukul they distributed to everybody all the boys you know there was gang you they did also give to me uh-huh. i was in the office i was with another teacher we're watching something he had a computer and i was like man th- this is the time everybody's <laughs> sleeping and we're watching i don't know either ufc or some fight he liked watching some fights uh-huh. i was like instead of guarding i wasn't guarding <laughs> which was also a problem later but <laughs> So they went out and they gave out those samosas to everybody, all the ashram boys, all the big ones, because it was separated. The small kids were sleeping in the office. Yes. They were up in to 12 building. years old in the building. Then on the verandas in the same building, they were 12 to 16 years old. And then 16 up, go temple hut, which just meant you had a hut over yourself. There was no doors. There was nothing. It was cold Open, yeah. in the winter, hot in the summer. But we would all sleep there in our mosquito nets. So then they came and they distributed to everybody, woke up everybody, gave them all samosas. And then they came to the office because they knew I was in the office. They saw the light. They could see the light from <laughs> the temple hut. And so they brought and they threw a bag. We had a table, small table with a computer where me and that teacher were watching. And they threw us a bag of samosas. And we're already watching. I wasn't planning to go to sleep because I had my hours of guarding. It was 9 to 11 or something. And then... <laughs> And so we opened the samosas we're like wow food for for the for the show or something <laughs> we ate them and then you know it was great said thank you yes. and then the next morning uh i think yeah so the person there was one kid who was older he went and these guys who went to buy the samosas they took his bicycle and they took his bicycle out and then they hit it i don't know why they hit it they just put it in the bushes and the guy couldn't find his bicycle and so he went to the teacher and he was like someone stole my bicycle and so the teacher went there and then he went and they found the bicycle and then they went around asking why did you put the bicycle and then the guys who went and bought the samosas for some reason someone the chokidar told so on then. them <clears throat> he said that yeah these two went out and then they came back with samosas so the teacher was like what you had samosas And so that's it. That's that's where it started going down. And so they called an assembly. Oh, the whole school was there. And then it just started. The te- the teachers were so angry. They were screaming at us. They were like, "How come you're going out? How come you're buying these samosas? You're giving them out to everybody. This is not the brahmacharya mentality. This is not the gurukul education. You guys are all going to be doing punishment for for months." We were like, "Months. Wow, that that's a lot of punishment." Just with some samosa, man. And then in that assembly, the teachers were like, okay, so who bought the samosas? 
And so the two kids stood up and they were like, okay, so who did you give it to? Everybody. And then they started naming. <laughs> and one by one, everybody just stands up. And each time someone stands up and they started from the younger ones. And then they got to me. I was the head boy. And then I had two vice head boys. And we already had the late last chatters. You know, we're the, the most senior people in the school. And so they got to us and they were like, yeah, this. And then the teachers look at us like, with such disappointment, we're like, man, <laughs> we're going down for this. And then they mentioned that teacher who was also with us who was in the ashram. <laughs> and that's, that's, what, that's where it ended. That's where it ended. The teachers were like, no, you guys are doing punishment for two months. You have to clear this compost pile. You have to move these rocks. You have to do this. You have to do that. We're like, yeah, all right, yeah, at least man. we're not kicked out. <laughs> we thought we were going to get kicked out of the school <laughs> or something. Yeah, so that, that was pretty heavy. And... <laughs> That I was supposed to also at that point, uh, yeah, uh, pretty Maharaj, he was taking, he would go to Europe once a year with a group of boys just for preaching. He was invited and then, <clears throat> and the boys, he would, he would choose a few senior boys and then he would take them. They, they had to pay. They had to somehow collect or ask their parents to pay. It was like a thousand bucks for all the tickets. We traveled to like eight or nine countries in Europe, the visas and everything, <clears throat> And so that was like the thing. If you were, I don't know how to say it. If you win the lottery, then you get a ticket there. There was something, something to, to do with that, it was like on that level. So, and then the, that year, and he would say six months before, and we're all waiting, waiting, waiting. And then he called me, he called my friend and another one. <coughs> Excuse me. He called us and then he was like, okay, so I'm thinking to go to Europe. Would you like, would you guys like to join? We're like, you know, we're so happy. This was before the samosas. <laughs> <laughs> we're so happy. We're uh, in bliss. And we're like, yes, of course. He was like, okay, so get this, 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 and that ready. And then we can go collect some money, buy your tickets. And then the samosas happened like a month before that. We already had everything, the tickets. And then because I was the most senior boy in the school and I was supposed to be doing things and we messed up. And so all of that. And then pretty much called me. He was like, he had a very serious conversation after we did all the punishment after everything. He's like, so um, I'm not sure if you'll be able to go to Europe since, you know, this is the kind of behavior you're, you know, setting, you're setting the standard for the school. And because you're the leader. Yeah, you're the leader and everybody's following you. And this is the kind of nonsense that you guys are doing. We also did a few other things before that. We arranged like a birthday party for this kid who was leaving and, <laughs> or a leaving party. I don't even remember. And we ordered, we ordered soya sabji and chow mein and we had it at midnight and the gurukul. And so we, we did a few, few things, but that was like, that, that was really the worst that we got. We made burgers for our trip to Calcutta. And, you know, those things like that, that everybody got so mad at. And at, at those points, like after you got really in trouble, like I remember when he told me that, I, I don't think you're going to Europe. And I was like, I'm not going to Europe. And this, and so I was just like, I, I was like, I got to leave. I'm, I'm not sure if I can, if I can handle this. Because I told my parents, they collected money. They asked the devotees to also help. And they already bought the tickets. They did everything. And now... Because I messed up, I had to go. And so I was like, can I go tell my parents? And I was, I was in tears. I was 18 and I was crying. And I was, you know, just like, I don't know what to do. I'm I should probably leave. I should go to Israel or I should, you know, I have to leave the school. Or, and I was like, that was the breaking point. And somehow, yeah, I talked to them. They pacified me. I went back. I was just mental for a few days. Then a few weeks went by and I was like, it was struggle. Tough. It was really tough. And then, yeah. 
But eventually you went to Europe or not? Eventually I did go to Europe. Yeah, but, but it was a good lesson. It was it was a good lesson. That was the samosa. You don't eat samosa anymore. No. I actually don't. <laughs> I don't. Per, I don't personally like them, but I, maybe that's uh, has something to do with the samskara. But yeah, that was that was probably the biggest crisis at that point. Amazing man. But tell us the happiest moment you had in your Christian conscious life in the in the while you were a student in the Gurukul. Of course, you did the elephant procession. Yeah. Which yeah, very the, nice. It, uh, sit on top of the elephant with Krishna. Yeah, the happiest yeah. moments were w- there the were so many, so many. <laughs> so many. I think starting from like you said, the elephant procession. I was like six years. I was on the elephant. I started from all the way in the back to all the way in the front. You know, with doing the all the all the things, and that that was wonderful. The service. I participated in all the Abhisheks every year for maybe six years. Right. I learned how to do all of that. We learned how to do yagyas. We learned how to do the puja. We did puja and we did. So many, we went to so many programs and festivals. We learned how to sing, play Miranga. That was, yeah, it was just really, 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 really beautiful. Every festival, I was so happy, you know, yeah. feeling so amazing that I can do some service. And it was, yeah, I was just in bliss. And, you know, getting to know all my friends and having that kind of relationship, which was, you know, we'd have a whole day together of service and work. And then we would go and just walk around Gurukul in the evening and just talk and, you know, talk about things, talk about life, talk about our plans and, you know, what we could do. And just like so many happy, happy and beautiful moments. And I yeah. think the overshit is the bad. This, 100%, 100%. Uh, yeah, we all, we have, we still, we still are all in contact, maybe nine of us. We have a group chat on WhatsApp, which we made when everybody started leaving. And we still, sometimes someone mentions something and we start remembering all those days and everybody mostly remembers the good. The bad sometimes, yes, but yeah. the but good over is... was a much, much more good than bad. Much more, much more. Tell us about a little bit about, uh, of course, now you're married, but uh, tell us about the program you do for Jagya because this is something you do for last, uh, maybe more one than one year you're doing. I see you, you're on top of the building and you have... Jagya's uh, set up for fire sacrifice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, you don't, for people who don't know, we are not sacrificing anybody, <laughs> but just uh, putting some uh, clarified butter, ghee, and we chanting mantras. And it's very beautiful, very colorful. I know you do this for the benefit of the body worldwide. Yeah. So tell me how people can participate in this because it's important for people to know because many people don't know about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- be- even just before that, if I can yeah. say a few words. Sure, sure. Uh, my whole idea in, when I was in Gurukul was to to do something. I, I was, you know, I wanted to stay in my I never wanted to leave. I, I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't very appealed with the fact that, okay, I learned like, I learned all these things, all these beautiful skills and devotional life and temple, yeah, you, you know. And factory. then, you know, to, to, yeah, I wanted to get married. Till I was sure. 15, I was convinced I was going to be a full-time brahmachari. And then I was like, okay, maybe not. <laughs> Awakening <point>. time. <laughs> yeah, I was like 16, I was like, nah, no problem. No, but it's nice. You're honest and you you follow principle and everything. So. Yeah, so the idea was to do it properly. Yes. But then I didn't really see the connection. I was like, okay, so I study here. I graduate. And then to make a living, I mean, it, it with all due respect, 10,000, 15,000 rupees, you know, t- no place, no, I mean, no place, no wife, no nothing. Then maybe <laughs> okay. you can get something. But when you have a place to pay rent and then, you know, you have a wife and then you have kids and you need something to maintain yourself. Absolutely. And that wasn't really thought in the Gurukul. No. Yeah. And unfortunately. <clears throat> but you learn a lot of skills. So yes. You can, you can so 
I was doing some things because I was very business minded <laughs> at that point from the beginning. I did the shops. We were selling prashadam. We were doing, we were, I was running the Gurukul shop and already doing some businesses all the time, buying things from all over India and then yes. selling them. So I really liked that. I was business minded, but I didn't want to go and just get a job. Well, it was like, okay, I go back to Israel. I have to go to the army to begin with no for three years and then get a job and then just, you know, there's no devotee association. You won't survive. I really didn't like that idea from the get-go. And so I was like thinking, I was really breaking my head and I was like, how, how am I supposed to do all of this? And so the first idea that came to my mind when I was 17 and I went for a course by Sagar Maharaj, he was doing a, I don't even remember how it was called or Arta or something. And I took that course and he was like, you have to find an idea or something that you can do. And I was like thinking, what, what can I do? And then I remember that my father was doing tours. And at that point I learned Bengali. I was on my way to learning Hindi. I learned something. I can speak to survive, but it's not very good. Botacha, and, botacha. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, okay, maybe I can, maybe I can take tours. I can do a few tours and spend the rest of the time and money living in Mayapur. Sure. And so that was my idea. <clears throat> and I graduated with that idea. Uh, no, I didn't graduate. Before, one year before we graduated, we had to go out and then travel. Mm-hmm. And it was internship. So we did the internship. Right. And during the internship, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I arranged one tour even. And then COVID hit. Oh, and I was like, man, <laughs> the only the only job that I, I can do had, properly, it was gone. It was just gone. And I was like, ah, this is really sad. And so I, I started doing anything. I was like, okay, I started learning social media marketing. I was like, this is the new thing. So I got myself Instagram, Facebook. I was like, started... Uh, I'm technologically challenged to a certain degree, but I started, I took two, three, four courses paid free. And then we started, me and my friend, we started working, doing all those things. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we, I got a job. I started working for Goranga Sima. I was working for Goranga Sima for a year. I was doing his website. What is it called? Silver Silver Tulsimala. He was selling and I was running his page and trying to do some things and we're doing offers. And I learned how to do SEO and running a website and how because I really liked learning and I was like, no, I need to make money and stay here. So, yeah. you know, trying to put it all together. I was living with my parents. You know, I didn't have to spend much. <laughs> I started making jam. I went to Calcutta. I found, because I pulled up all the contacts that I had from the Gurukul shop, which I was running. And then Gorpunim, I would sell anything, anything to survive <laughs> from chatters to food to anything else. And so I was making some money there and I started making strawberry jam and selling it and doing so many other things. Yeah, I remember you gave me some. <laughs> so it was very good. Yeah, all the things that I learned, I started putting just just not to leave. My idea was just just somehow or other you have to stay here. Yeah. That that was my idea. So then, and then after six months or a year of doing that, I got an offer to do to work with a few friends here in Mayapur. They work with a company in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They they make apps for sleeping and wellness, and and I applied for that job and I started doing it and potentially it was really good. But also at that point, these people that some, someone suggested to someone about me that there was these devotees doing yagyas in Vrindavan. And I was like, doing yagyas? Wow. What, what are they doing? And so they called <laughs> oh, you me. You can make money out of they, this. <laughs> I was like, this, this is crazy. And so they called me and they were like, okay, can you, con- can you come to Vrindavan? And I was like, yeah, sure, for what? And they were like, for doing yagyas. Actually, in the beginning, they didn't even tell me that. They were like, can you just come to Vrindavan? And I was like, for a while. And they were like, just come. Can you come? We'll pay for everything. I was like, this sounds suspicious. <laughs> and I, and I, 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 I said, yeah, I said, this, this is too good to be true. 
And then I asked them when, and they were like, day after tomorrow. I was like, these people who I don't know, calling me and telling me to come to Vrindavan day after tomorrow. It sounds a bit, you know, nice. <laughs> this is a bit weird. So I said, no, give me some time. Give me a week. I mean, I am on the go, but I have a, I have some work. I have things to do. You know, I promise people things. And so I was like, okay. And then a month later they called me and they were like, can you come to Vrindavan? And I was like, okay, when? They were like, tomorrow. I was like, guys, again, you to tell me before, <laughs> just tell man. me a week. Can you tell me five days before? And then they were like, no. Okay. And then they left. And then... <clears throat> they were foreigner or Indian or what? They were Russian. They're actually Russian. And then... So at that point, and then they called me back. Um, no, they didn't call me back. I I wanted to go. Now, now it was my turn. <laughs> and so all these, all these... All my friends at this point in Mayapur, they wanted to go. It was July. There, there was some Kirtanias coming to Vrindavan. Everybody's like, let's go Kirtamela, to Vrindavan. Kirtamela. Or something was happening. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, so I have these guys who They're want coming. to pay for my trip to Vrindavan. So I called them up and I was like, hey, I want now I want to go to Vrindavan. You still want me? And they were like, yeah, but we're not going to Vrindavan. We're going to Manali. And I was like, what? Manali. <laughs> Manali is beautiful. But. I was like, yeah, this is a really beautiful place, but Manali out of all places. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go At this Manali. point, I was ready to go anywhere. And so they, were, they sent me a ticket and I was like, wow. They Flight. actually sent me, yeah. I was like, let's go. So, and then they were like, we'll pay for everything, guarantee, everything guarantee. And I was like, no, you have to buy me tickets both ways. Because oh, oh, there is a little bit there in the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then my dad was like, don't go if you don't have the second ticket. And then they were pushing me all the way to the last moment. Till I was sitting in the car, going to the airport. They were like, no, we'll buy it, we'll buy it, we'll buy it. And they didn't buy it. And then I was like, man, I was mental the whole way. I flew to Chandigarh and Chandigarh supposed to take a flight to Manali. Yes. And then the flight got canceled. And I was like, oh man. And so they put me on a car, 10 hour drive. And I was like, okay, whatever. They paid for everything. They had everything arranged. And I was like, okay, at least yeah, that. They were like, yeah, we'll give you some money. I was like, what, they're gonna give me two, 3,000 rupees. So I was like, okay, well, I made it to Van Manali. And the whole time I'm asking them, what am I going to do there? Like, what, what this jo what's this job that you found me to do when I don't know anything? <laughs> Literally, I can make you jam, but like, not more than that. <laughs> and so, anyway, I got there. And then they, were, they rented a whole building. And there were Brahmins on the top floor from South, uh, North India. Then there were these guys who called me. And then there was a room for me. And I got there and I was like, okay, so what am I doing here? Can you tell me? Can you explain to me? I've been traveling for two days in contact with you for so long. Just tell me what I'm doing. They were like, oh, we do yagyas. No. Well, you told me before, <laughs> And man. I was like, why didn't you tell me? They're like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, what kind of yagyas? And I was, they were like, oh, we just do yagyas. And I was like, okay. they were like, come tomorrow and see. And I was like, okay, this sounds, this is going some, this is going down <laughs> somewhere that I don't want it to go. And then I went up the next morning. And then I saw, and I was like, okay, they are doing it, I guess. And there was like three profession. Brahmins from North India. And then, yeah, it's a, it's a profession. And I was like, Purusha Shukta and stuff like that? No, no, not quite. It was a bit, a bit on the Karmakanda side. Uh, okay. More like fully. But, yeah. <laughs> and so, like demigods. Yeah. Well, demigod worship, Kali Durga, Navagraha, all of that. And I was like, well, I don't know how to do these. And they were like, you know what's the best part about this? You don't have to know how to do these. We have Brahmins. And I was like, so what do you want me to do? And they were like, you just have to read the names. I was like, read the names. 
Read the name of who? Yeah, I was like, oh, whose name you want me to? And they were like, Response. okay, let's listen here. And then they explained me the whole system. And no. I was like, whoa, oh. now this is interesting. And so they were like, I was like, who do you do yagyas for? Yeah. What are you, manifesting it from the air? And so there was three Brahmins. There was a lady with a phone streaming it on Instagram. I think it was Instagram, yeah. And then so they were going and they were talking. Uh, they were explaining to me this whole... S- In Russian. Well, they're all Russian, yeah, except for the Brahmins. And so there was the main Hotri who pours the ghee in, and he was white. He was Russian. He was one of the persons I was in contact with. And then he explained to me, he was like, okay, look, so we do this yagya on behalf of all these people who are sitting online, wherever they are, watching, we and they the give benefits, a donation. The they get the benefit. So we read their name in the Sankalpa. And I was like, wow, wow. this guy's a genius. Smart. This guy is a real genius. This is covid Everybody is sick. Everybody wants a yagya, especially Russians who are all into, you know, all these things. So I was like, man, these guys are really, really, really smart. And they were like, okay, so all you have to do is just read their names and participate in the yagya. I was like, yeah, okay, what are you going to give me? They were like, we'll pay you. I was like, what are you going to pay? They're like, we'll pay you good. I was like, okay. And they actually did. They, they did pay me good, which was the most surprising part for India. It was a lot of money. And nice. so, yeah, and they were like, okay, so are you going to be part of us after two weeks? It was a, a two-week trial sure. in Manali, and I was like, the problem there was that, the problem was that I knew a lot about yagyas, and I learned their yagyas very fast. I could do them, but because it was karma kanda, it was, there was a lot of karma involved, and I was like, I'm getting paid, and I'm taking a lot of sinful reaction from all these people that are it's paying, and I was like, it. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have any other opportunity. No one else is going to pay me. I, what should I do? I should rather do yagyas in India or in Vrindavan or stay in a holy place or go to the West and just work and make money. And I was like, okay, I'm going to choose India. And so we went to Vrindavan and in Vrindavan, I was there with them for four months. And yeah, I was just doing that for a while, but it got really, really, really heavy after because. Heavy was, in which sense? In the sense of like... You can feel the vibration Yeah, you could your, feel it all because it wasn't like one yagya every two weeks. It was three yagyas a day. Wow. <laughs> it was three yagyas a day with from 500 to 1,000 people on each yagya. So, yeah, well, you could, you could tell that, but, but it was also a lot of karma. Yeah, of course. Because I was the main priest. I was taking a lot of their karma and it was just bad. And my, luckily, my sadhana was strong and I was like... I really need to keep it. I would wake up, chant 16 rounds, go for Darshanardi, then come back. I would go eat something, then go to the gym. And then it was work. It was working day. They would have a rickshaw, which would take me to the other side of Vrindavan every day. It was like a transport and bring me there and then bring me back at like four or five in the evening. And I would go evening program, chant another 16 rounds for all the yagyas that I did. And then, you know, hang around and then come back. And yeah, after four months, I was just like, I was done with burnout. it. Burnout. I was really burnt out. At that point, my goal was, I had a financial goal, which I wanted by the end of the year. I was making that a month. And I was like, this has been much though. I can't, I can't do this. And, but I really liked the idea. I liked the idea of this person because I was like, this guy is a genius because you can actually yeah. get the benefit. Yeah. No one says you can't get the benefit. If you're listening to a lecture in Zoom Absolutely. or you're hearing, hearing the holy names, you're getting the benefit on the other side of the screen. It doesn't mean that you're not getting it. So it's a genius idea. Just the way they did it, I didn't like. And the way they monopolized it. So I was like, okay, how can I do this? Just the way I learned it in Gurukul. Mm. 
And I was like, okay. Also, there's no karma involved. There's exactly. a devotional uh, benefit. Or yes, there, there is an, I, I think there's an aspect of karma when you're taking people's money involved anyway, but it's very minute in comparison. So then... To the benefit they get, because if you on the devotional aspect, you get a lot of uh, punya or you get a lot exactly. of... Exactly. Uh, I guess or devotional performance exactly. for them. Exactly. So then to the question that you actually asked, yeah. I took a long, long roundabout. Yeah, but it's an interesting story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you never suggest to them that to change the jogging and make it devotional or something. Because the foreign people, what do they know about money? They don't know anything. They don't know. They, so why not doing it in a proper way? Why they were doing through the priest of Karmakanda and all this? Uh, they had a little know, different view. I'll not get into detail, okay, but they, okay, were, okay. they were very like, they, they were, were serious like, about We even got, unfortunately, to into, into some disagreements at some of point. Of course, of course. Especially after I left. Because, yeah. Anyway, there, there was and some they're problems. still doing it that way. Yeah, they're still doing it that oh. way. There, there, there's many other people actually doing it and they started doing it. But I came back to Mayapur. I was after Kartik of 2020 mm -hmm. or no, 2021, Kartik of 2021, I came back and then I was like, okay, maybe I should just do this in the way I learned in Gurukul doing only Vishnu, yeah, yeah. or Krishna or, you know, yeah. The, yeah. What, what we follow, devotional. devotional, only offering to Krishna. And even if people want the nine planets, you can connect them. Sure. There's nine forms of sure. Nirsimadev sure, 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 sure. that are involved in that. And there's the Dash Avatar, Dash which are involved Avatar, with each yeah, planet. And then I was like, we can do the same thing. But just devotional. doing it 100% devotional, asking people for a donation. And then I'm sure they'll be interested. And so I just called up all my friends. I called the friends who I graduated with, uh, four friends. I called them all because they all, we all knew how to do yagyas. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get some it. people. I'll gather a few people. I called Goranga Sima. I called another friend. I was like, you guys want to gather some devotees, ask them for a donation. They can participate and watch this yagya online. Why not? And then to my surprise, it really worked. There was more than a hundred people watching online who participated in that first yagya. The first time I ever did it. And I was like, this is really interesting and this is this can really work. And I was like, I don't have to go back there and take so much karma and do so many things and, you know, just work under this person and, you know, be absolutely, you know, yeah. under him. You are so I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll build a little team that I have. Yeah. I'll get people who can speak Russian, who can, you know, spread the word and tell, market it, whatever. Yeah. You call it as you like and then invite them. I'll explain to them what I'm doing. And then I have the Brahmins who can do it. And that's it. I covered both sides. And that's all. And I've been doing that for a year and developing. And we got a team of maybe 13 people. Then there's these two Matajis who talk to people because it's, it's, it's quite personal. People like it when you reach out to them and you Absolutely. say, oh, look, we're doing this yagya for Nityananda Tariyodashi, for example. Yes. And devotees, non-devotees, people who are into esoteric things. You know, we make that palatable for them too. And then we tell them, look, you want to give a donation? You can give a donation. You don't want to give a donation. Just participate. Just watch it. You're getting Punya and Sukriti and Bhakti Sukriti and Agyata Sukriti just from watching it because we start with Hare Krishna. We have Vedic mantras all the way. Yeah. And then we end with the Kirtan. It's a win-win situation <clears throat> for everybody. Exactly. And you can make some like me. Yes. And we're able to maintain all those 13 people in Mayapur. That's so wonderful. I was, That's beautiful. That, that was the idea and it's working out very well. There you are, successful story. <laughs> yeah, wonder wonderful. Krishna years. giving intelligence. Krishna say, I give you whatever you need and protect whatever you have. So it's amazing how Krishna gives intelligence for the devotee to, you know, build well yeah. off. 
Okay, wonderful story. It's a success for me. But now tell us about uh, you got married last month. What's your plan for the future? Now you are two. You are not one anymore. You are two. You are a yeah. beautiful wife. And uh, so are you, okay, you have, you figure out how to maintain yourself. So uh, enough Lakshmi, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yes. It, I mean. <clears throat> but yeah. what's your plan for the future? What's your vision, let's say? Because you are a leader by nature, so. Um, my idea is to, well, to a certain degree travel and then preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I learned actually Russian because I forgot it in Israel. Then I, not in Israel, in Gurukul. And then I learned it again. And now I'm learning how to you know, speak and preach in Russian. My father is preaching in Israel and he's doing his uh, affiliation of the Bhaktivedanta Academy. <clears throat> so he's preaching that's in terms of Krishna consciousness. And then I also, you know, whatever service that I can do in the temple, sure. I'm, I'm doing You're usually doing on festivals always, and yes. other days. But the idea is to stay in Mayapur, try help and be part of the community, nice. you know, have a good family, maybe get some land, build a house, you know, just just do something like that and then preach. If I can preach online, if I can help devotees, I really like helping devotees who come for the first time, arranging things for them, you know, getting a place to stay, helping them out. It Many people reach out to me, especially now that we're doing the yagis and then people come and then my father also, he's teaching. He has many, many people and they also come and they reach out. Just, yeah, help devotees in Mayapur stay wonderful. and preach. That's a nice service. That's a beautiful vision, and I wish you all success. Thank you very, very uh, much. Would you like to, in the closure of this interview, would like to say something for the people who listen to the, this uh, Radio Mayapur? You want to call them, welcome them, contact you. You have your phone number or your <laughs> uh, you have a, you have a website for this uh, we, Jagya? We don't have a website. We have a Telegram channel, but it's... Unfortunately, it's only for those who speak Russian. For those who speak English, they can contact me directly. How do they can I, contact? They can contact me on WhatsApp or on Instagram or... Would you like to say your number? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Plus 91-758-4800-182. It's okay. a WhatsApp number, phone Indian phone number, and then Telegram. All right. Yeah, they can contact me if they're interested in yeah participating in the Yagi or coming to Mayapur or... Thank you so much, Tamal, for Thank coming you. today. We uh, so for having this wonderful interview with you, and uh, we like to, you know, to hear more of this uh, wonderful, inspiring story of youth, because <laughs> you. Uh, you know, uh, the youth are the future of our movement. So you are, you you're going to be one of the leader in Mayapur, who has been living in here for a long time from when you're a kid, and you've been having this mentality to help people. So that's what uh, will be pleasing to the Acharya and Srila Prabhupada and Lord Chaitanya, Nityananda and Krishna. So keep on doing that and you'll be very successful. Thank you once Thank again. You. Thank you very much for having Hare me. Hare Krishna. It was wonderful. Arivol. Arivol. You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur.